You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the Amazon.com or Fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over to Rossi. It's loose, and Bergeron scores! Patrice Bergeron! Hello, Bruins fans, and welcome back for episode 63 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Grandstand Sports Network, the best view in the house. Um, Back again. With uh, the best two uh, co-hosts a guy could have, uh, Rob, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm so happy to have a weekend off work, and I actually managed to catch one of the Bruins prospect games over the weekend, so that was good as well. Nice. How's, how's everything in Canada, Court? Uh, it's great. I uh, had a, a, a weekend with the family, went to the aquarium, great time. Nice. Yeah, family stuff's always a good time. Um, uh, yeah, we got. I mean, there is twenty-five days until the puck drops on the two thousand seventeen eighteen NHL season, and uh, it's just getting so close. I'm getting so anxious. Um, eight days to preseason game. Yeah, eight days to the preseason, and training camp starts um, Thursday of this week. So. Uh, everything's really starting to speed up, and um, so are some of the news. Uh, hopefully, it gets a little, little more, and we're not scratching to, uh, you know, to get things to talk about. But of course, I have to. I got to start. It's probably going to suck for everybody, but Pasternak still not signed. That is going to be the topic, the number one topic, until he is signed on every show. So. With some news about that, is is you you get some? I'm gonna say it, you get some bullshit stories, and I'm and it's just it's hilarious to watch, but so many people uh, just they, they believe everything they see on Twitter, and it's ridiculous. But um, this uh this Twitter account Bruins Extra um, came out last week and saying that there is an off that Pasternak wants eighty eight million dollars. Is, does that seem a little ridiculous to you guys? Uh, it depends. Well, we are, what's the term on it? It's a, it's going to be a, a, an eight year. So he's going to essentially these guys are saying, and they claim to be a part of the Nessun network, which I, I find a little far to believe, but whatever. Um, that, that's eleven million dollars a year, which is impossible. Just 
I just the one thing I want to say about the whole thing, like not saying maybe he did hear it from somebody, but maybe his source is just trying to have fun with him. But uh, so I'm not saying that he's, you know, unquoting a source. Maybe his source did say this, but the problem with the ask is it's over the cap space. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So why, if an agent wanted to, JP Barry is probably one of the smartest agents in the league. Um, why would he ask for too much money when they can't? give him that money like i understand it could be a tactic but at the same time the tactic doesn't even make any sense yeah and i've been calling it all season the the thing is pasternak is so busy with his training coming up to training camp he's been in china with the bruins and not with like don sweeney and everyone just with a group of the bruins and like this is now the time where pasternak we're going to hear things because Pasternak is in Boston and has availability to talk about his contract now. But eighty-eight million, that's no way. There's no chance. Is is probably gonna sign for like everyone's been saying seven to eight million a season. Uh, hey, if, and it, if, if you guys remember I said it when we had Rock on, I said it was gonna be seven point five. Yeah. yeah. And that's that not that's not a bad number. No. No. Uh, and especially if you look at the way that his stats have gone through the seasons that he's played in Boston, um, they've been like his, his first season it was good. His second season he nearly doubled his point totals. Third season added to them to have his career best, and now he's at his first contract, and it's it's just what what it's going to cost us, how long it's going to be for, and. If he keeps playing like he has been doing, it's definitely worth it. Because it's not often that, like, what is he, 21 years old now? I believe so. 21-year-old player putting up 70-plus points. Yeah, he's 21. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't happen that often. So you can guarantee the Bruins want to keep hold of him, and they want to keep hold of him long-term. But... Don Sweeney's not just going to throw stupid amounts of cap at a player. He's going to be clever about it. He needs some wiggle room for if they're in a playoff picture at the uh, trade deadline, because all the players that we could we we would want to get rid of to clear up cap space, we can't because the value's down. No yeah, yeah, and they got no trade clauses. Look at Matt Bolesky. He's got a limited no trade clause. We can't just get rid of him. Right. So it's. Don Sweeney's being smart. He's trying to penny pinch, but I don't think he'll penny pinch too long and risk losing Pasternak for nothing. It's not even that. It, it, it is sorry. It is that Rob. It, it's also a little bit of the the fact that he, the last thing he ever wants to do is have JP Barry just think that every time he has to deal with Sweeney, whatever number he asks for, he gets. Sweeney yep. probably knows where he can go to and is going to try and get what he needs, but knows that there is a middle ground that they're going to get to. And the last thing he ever wants to do is show weakness to J.P. Barry. Who yeah, and just go, right, I'll pay, you know. Yeah. yeah. No GM is ever going to last long in this league if they're just going to give whatever player wants at any time. And what change does it make if he's signed this week or two weeks from now? No difference. I wouldn't mind it by Thursday. I, I know. Yeah, that, I that would mind, be nice. I wouldn't mind it by camp starting, but at oh, the same time, is. If it's going to cost you half a million less to wait another week, you wait another week. That's half a million a year. Like, it, it's a lot of money. I understand people want to see him play at camp and 
everything, but it, it's just something the Bruins have got to do, and it's happened before, and it'll happen again. It's just the way the league is. But did did anyone else see the tweets about the possibility of Pasternak going to the KHL? Yeah, I, I saw that this morning. <laughs> that is not happening. Uh, that kid but... loves the Bruins. He loves yeah. playing in the NHL. He's not going to the KHL. That was probably the funniest one I saw. I saw that on, I think it was Hockey Feed, which is notoriously yeah. known for clickbait. <laughs> and I had to put it on Twitter just for how funny it was. Because everybody on Facebook was losing their mind on it. And I'm like, wow. I'm please. pretty sure it was Pete Blackburn who retweeted it at one point. <laughs> joking Pete. about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you ah. can always trust if something stupid happens like that. Pete Blackburn is involved with a retweet. <laughs> He is funny. <laughs> yeah. I listened to him and uh, and uh, DJ Bean on their brunch podcast, and that is absolutely oh. hilarious. That's so Them funny. Two together. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend that, but uh, definitely an over eighteen thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. Well, with all the pa- just quickly. Yeah. Um, if you can turn your reverb and your bass down a little bit, it's just. Uh, it's just gone up a bit since we started. Okay. True story. Is this any better? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. Um, with all the uh, the Pasternak news uh, going around, there's there's also other things that can be involved. Um, I was listening to a podcast, Bruins Diehards, uh, uh, produced by John Williams and Nick Godin. Um, another podcast I really enjoy. And they had this guy, Joshua Marshall on, and he's a hockey scout reporter um, and, and a member of the NHL Central Scouting. And he joined the guys uh, last Wednesday, I believe, and mentioned offer sheets for Pasternak and, and basically came out with two teams that are ready to pounce on, on an offer sheet when, uh, when it's ready. I mean, I know you can do it at any time, but... Um, he heard through the grapevine that Montreal and Buffalo are very high on um, trying to get past the next service uh, for their respected teams. I find it a little little far out to, to believe, but um, this stuff has happened before and, and it can happen again. Like, you know, not to use the same words as you, Rob, but um, if it gets to a point that it's like panic time, I hope it doesn't happen, but if you look at what an offer sheet can get in return, Montreal and Buffalo have all those assets for those first rounds, second rounds, and third rounds. Yeah, but Boston's going to match. Come on. Yeah, we, are we really you. thinking they're, they're matching? Like it's just- oh, yeah. The thing is, that's an easy way for Boston to get David Pasternak because he can't refuse it once it's been matched. So I don't think that. Well, no, he's got to accept their offer first. Like you see what I'm saying? Like he's... yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. If he accepts Montreal's offer and then Boston match it, then he's he's in but Boston. Isn't, so. isn't the Montreal Canadiens have no defense? What what would getting past? Yeah, yeah I know. I, don't I forget they got Jordy Ben. Buffalo, Buffalo makes sense. I'll, I'll give it to Buffalo. That one makes sense. But Montreal makes. The thing is, as well, if Montreal was to offer sheet a Bruins player, especially a guy like David Pasternak guarantee Don Sweeney and Cam Neely will be offer sheeting every single player that comes up for the Canadians for the next 10 years. Oh, oh yeah. It'll start yeah. it. 
it'll start a uh, it, I mean the rivalry is already there from a uh, you know 90 some odd years but um, this will intensify it immensely and uh, the last time I believe an offer sheet was actually made was wasn't it Shea Weber to Philly? No, uh, O'Reilly from uh, Calgary offered O'Reilly uh, an offer sheet. Okay. When he was on, yeah. Okay. So I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what to believe in that whole that whole thing, but um, you can't deny that the the return on an offer sheet is is absolutely huge. I couldn't believe all the draft picks I was reading about. It was just like, damn. And if you're a, if you're a rebuilding team or a retooling team like the Bruins seem to be on the lines of, <laughs> that's that's a nice way to you know keep the stock going in your in your prospect pool. But it's also a dangerous um, option because of the the salary cap in, uh, implications that it can have with trying to lock up these players after their entry level deals or. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> but but yeah, there's there's always the chance of if there is an offer sheet and it does end up going somewhere else, which is highly unlikable. Uh, like we could flip them picks for players, yeah, and actually fix the team quicker than waiting to draft. And then the thing is, both teams, Canadians and Buffalo, aren't. Be anywhere near the bottom of the league this season or next. So I think it's it's pointless. They should just match whatever offers made if there is one and carry on with the retool. All right. Speaking of carrying on, um, there's a, a new rule change that's going to be implemented in the National Hockey League 2017-18 season. And uh, Court, you were the one that brought this to my attention. Uh, it's a new offside challenge rule. Uh, teams will receive a minor penalty for a failed challenge. Um, and you, Court, you seem to like this. I, I, I love the rule. Um, I'm a big, big component of, um, I felt a lot of times last year, a coach would, near the end of a game, would uh, make the call and uh, call a time, use their timeout on a goal, on a goal call that they knew they weren't going to get back. I, I felt like I saw it almost all the time, even in the playoffs, where they knew that they were challenging a goal that had no 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 business challenging. But you know what? Half the time, sometimes you could see the expression on the coaches' faces. They were in shock that the goals were called back. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is always it'll, it'll there's always the thing of um, they they do that because they get longer a longer timeout challenging the goal than they would if they just took a timeout. Oh, for sure. Because how long does it take now? Like five minutes minimum. Feels like it every yeah, time I watch. Yeah, the time the time it takes is ridiculous. Yeah. I I. It's, oops, sorry, Court. No, it's okay. I was just saying it's just a bit of a joke. That's why I really like the rule because I just felt that it was, it was going to stop teams from doing stupid things. Yeah. And the time is keeping the time out is uh, is kind of important too. You know what I mean? I, I just sometimes I feel like, you know, even though it's a thirty second thing, it's it's a valuable tool to have and and to waste a, a time out and try to get your you know players together, uh, create a plan on the bench on the fly, you know, is not always easy. But uh, you know, to use that on a on on a, a challenge is I don't know, it's kind of ridiculous to me, but. The, the the game's trying to speed up 
and especially the officiating, you know, I, I just don't, uh, they need to do more of stuff like this to, to you know, get that game down to the, that two and a half hour minimum that they, they'd like to operate on. And I understand, like, from what I've read in social media, people are, well, they just got to get rid of the rule altogether. Well, to be totally honest with you, there's way too many times where, unfortunately, human error is in play. I, I know it burned the Bruins last year. Way too many goals got called back. We all we all know it. But, unfortunately, they should make the right call. They, they need to change technology, that's for sure. Um, I, I really do think that they need to uh, change the technology Um but I know it costs too much money to actually be a hundred percent sure because a lot of the times it's too close of a call and they need to maybe change the rule about the plane on how the skate crosses. Cause I just find it to be a little bit of a, a judgment call on whatever the ref feels like that day. Right. Yeah. And like the, the easy way to deal with this is put a laser in on the, like on the, uh, on the blue line, put a laser that goes from one side to the other and then you can tell if the skate is on the line or not. Because that is the whole, like, the whole reason it takes 10 minutes is when the guy is dragging his foot, trying to stay on, line, on side, they just, they spend about 10 minutes going, oh, that skate looks onside, oh, it looks offside. If they put a laser on and it breaks the beam, then it's onside. Now, one thing that I did read um, a while, uh, over the summer, and I, I wish I remember who wrote it and where it came from. But um, the all this technology, like Court was saying, and and what you were touched on, Rob, um, is available. And in fact, I read that the league does have all this stuff for themselves, but they don't want they don't want to be responsible for adding it to their league, you know, their league um, ranks. Um, cost. Yeah, the cost. So they they want uh, owners, arena owners, to pay for all of this, and the the owners don't want to do it, and that's why you don't see a laser in the chip, uh, um, a chip in the, puck. a chip in the puck. Wow, um, and you don't see that now, and 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 it would make things so much easier and faster on on calls of goals, but. You know, it, the cost is so much money to 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 buy and then to maintain. And, and you know, league arenas are just not down for that. So that's why it hasn't been implemented yet. So, I yeah, mean, they, they can do it in tennis. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean I, I, the NHL makes a lot of money. So if, if they want to put it in a rink that is, um, you know, to their specifications, then that should be their responsibility. That, you know, that's just my opinion. I don't think it should be on the owners or the or the arena um, staff to do. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the Swedish Hockey League, the SHL, they have uh, goal line te- technology and all that stuff, and it's paid for by the league. Yeah. Because I know for a fact that a lot of the people who own the arenas in Sweden aren't making that much money off it. So. I'm sure it's going to get worked into the next collective bargaining agreement. Oh, it yeah, probably will. Probably. Or, or a, a new expansion franchise in Hawaii will pay for something like that. But knowing, knowing our fans, we're just going to blame the Jacobs anyways. Like, <laughs> I understand. I, I, I want people to, like, I want to put this on record. Do you, people understand that he actually spends to the cap. He's done some underhanded stuff, especially with the kids and all that kind of stuff. But he spends to the cap. Yeah, he I spends mean. the money. The whole, the, 
fourth most profitable uh, profitable team in the league. Like, it, yeah, I don't know. It's it is cheap. Stop it is maddening. Cheap. It is maddening. You know, and he can be a cheap bastard. But when you when you spend to Back the ceiling, there. yeah, when you spend to the ceiling, and every all thirty one teams have the same cap restrictions, then you know you can't really just call him out all the time. It, it, it you know. Yeah, he, you definitely call out his decision making and and Neely's right. and Sweeney's, but you know when it comes down to funds, uh, I I can't go there. No, he, he he may be a cheap bastard for how he treats the fans, and because that's more that's more of it. Yeah, like the amenities that he puts in the ring, sure, I'll give it that, but he pays the players a little too much sometimes. But you know he pays them. I wonder if Jacobs ever gets around to listening to some of the Bruins podcasts. I I doubt it. I highly Hi, Mr. Jacobs. That would that would involve <laughs> knowing how to use computer and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Come on, it's generation. You really think so? I, I, did, I, I, I had to teach my dad. <laughs> True. That's awesome. Um, speaking of uh, players, uh, we've got to talk about the prospect challenge that's being held at the Harborside Arena in Buffalo, New York. Uh, this is the fourth year. I believe, a third or fourth year of this challenge tournament. Uh, it's, it's obviously the Bruins, the New Jersey Devils, Pittsburgh Penguins, and host Buffalo Sabres. Um, I've, I watched uh, both games on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Friday's game was, was a good one. Uh, the ending was absolutely amazing. Uh, Saturday's game was uh, not, not very good. But... Um, or uh, you mean the power? The penalty killing was not very good. Oh, it was terrible. The game itself was. Yeah. Um, on Friday, September eighth, uh, the Bruins prospects beat the Pittsburgh Penguins three to two in overtime. Uh, goals from Stidnika, a power play, Forsbacka, Carlson, and Jesse Gabriel with the overtime winner. And if, if if anybody that's listening has not seen this on Twitter or Facebook or any social media outlet. The hot, the work that this kid put in on this goal was an absolutely amazing thing to see. He came in on a two-on-one and lost the puck. I think it jumped a little bit over his stick. Lost possession. The puck came the other way with Pittsburgh coming the, uh, you know, the opposite way. Gabriel hustled his ass off to get in the defensive zone corner. Digs the puck out and then hustles all the way back to shoot the game winner. Did you guys see that? Yeah. I saw it. Yeah, it well, was awesome. He, he had a he had a clean breakaway on the first one. Oh, was it a clean? I thought I thought yeah. it was I thought there was a Pittsburgh player in the vicinity. I'm sorry. No, he had a clean breakaway and he tried to handle the puck and there was what looked like a lot of like snow on the ice. Right. Um, lost the puck to his backhand. Managed to keep going towards the puck, though, to keep the play alive uh, and try and pass it to the back door, but missed. And then I, what, I don't get how a lot of people didn't see the play of Zaboro as well when it came back into the defensive zone. Yeah. Zaboro was the only one back, kept the center line so the guy couldn't pass. As Gabriel takes him into the corner, Zaboro just comes in, shoves two guys about, digs the puck out to Gabriel and then of course Gabriel scores the winner but it was a beautiful shot as well yeah it was the... a, a nice like little 
go to fake the pass and then snipe it. Uh, Friday's lineup, real quick. Uh, I have it up here. Uh, the first line was uh, Jack Stanika centering uh, Zach Senishin and Danton Heinen. The second line was uh, JFK centering Oscar Steen and Ryan Fitzgerald. Uh, the third line, Juno Kampanen uh, centering Justin Hickman and Jesse Gabriel. Uh, the fourth line was James Hamblin centering Sean Vodras and Cedric Pare. The defense pairings were Matt Grizzlick, Victor Berglund. Uh, second is Jakobsborough, Connor Clifton, and the third, Jeremy Lawson, and Emil Johansson. And the goaltender was Kyle Kieser. Um, I, I liked Zaboro's game uh, on Friday night. He showed that his physicality was um, definitely on, on board with that uh, bone-crunching hit uh, um, in the defensive zone. Uh, I like his game, but... There's a lot of people that didn't see very good things in these two things. And, and it's, a, it's a prospect challenge. And I, I know that, you know, 100% effort has to be there. You're showing that you definitely want to take that next step into uh, main training camp, which starts on Thursday. But uh, it's a small sample size for people to see. And then, you know, people calling certain players a bust because this is the only time they've actually seen them play. So a uh, little bit unrealistic, uh, but... It is what it is. One, there was only one guy that I didn't really like the look of when when I was watching, and that was uh, that Hamblin. Yeah, he's a camp I invite. Just, yeah, I just think he gave the puck away too much, and he wasn't that strong on his skates. But for me, the surprise was Connor Clifton. Yeah, exactly. That guy, that guy can pass the puck and be really physical. Everyone was scared to go down the wall with him. Uh, he he looked really good in that game. Yeah, I kind of wish I watched it. Yeah, um, another standout was uh, Emil Johansson. Uh, I thought he played very well, uh, very good defensive style. Um, sees the puck very well. Good lane passing. Um, so uh, the scratches for Friday's game were Anders Bjork, Rebel Gara, Sean Corrali, Charlie McAvoy, Jake DeBrusque, Owen Hendrick. Uh, Ethan Sakowicz and Alex Grichik. Uh Most of those guys are just camp invites, the ones that aren't the popular names. Um, last night's game, Saturday, September 9th, uh, is a 7-4 loss to the Buffalo Sabres prospects. Uh, Bruins goals from Hickman, Corrale, Fitzgerald on the power play, and Anders Bjork. Uh, not a very decent, you know, like, like, like Court said, the, the penalty killing was atrocious which led to a lot of big mistakes um but weren't all of almost all of buffalo's goals on the power play i believe so it's from what i read yeah and um uh the the lineup for last night's game uh was stunika centering anders bjork and uh jake debrusque jfk centering ryan fitzgerald and zach senishin uh, you can see senishin moving up and down the lineup here um Corrali centering Gabriel and Steen. Uh, Juna Kampainen centering Hickman. And I can't say, I hate this guy's name. Alex Graysek, whatever. He's, he's probably going to end up in um, the East Coast Hockey League with the Atlanta Gladiators. Uh, defense pairings. Uh, first was uh, Robert Gower and Connor Clifton. Second is Zboro and McAvoy. And the third is 
uh, Sekowicz and Emil Johansson. And uh, Johansson left the game last night. I'm not sure what period it was, and he uh, took a little injury. So, But um, head coach Jay Leach mentioned that he was up and walking around after the game, so it's probably not, um, you know, uh, threatening. The scratches uh, last night with Danton Hine and Matt Grizzlick, Victor Berglund, Cedric Parley, uh, Sean Baraitis, Jeremy Lawson, James Hamblin, and Owen Hendrick. And uh, courtesy of Colin Beswick, uh, writer for SB Nation, Stanley Cup of Chowder, a great writer. Uh, definitely give him a follow. Um, mentioned. Not eight. What's Not that? obsessed with Achari, just like our other friends. Right, right. Yeah, the, the Achari's obsession. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he mentioned, because uh, I couldn't find any information, uh, the next and final game of the Prospect Challenge Tournament is Monday, which is tomorrow, uh, at noon against New Jersey. And uh, the event, the festivities in Buffalo will end and cater into the 2017-18 preseason, I mean, um, main, main training camp leading up to the preseason uh, I believe the first preseason game is Monday of next week. Um, so there's some good things and some bad things that I've seen through this this prospect challenge. And like when you go back to say, like a friend of mine said that Zach Senishin's a bust. And he watched him for two games in the prospect challenge, and That's you know, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I know, I know, I, I, I just. It's it's so small of a sample size, and it's like you know, you got to watch more of his games to to really get a nice, solid opinion on him, and just not some, you know, some prospect tournament. But it remains to be seen where he fits, where he goes. I I'm I'm high on him. I've seen a bunch of I've seen at least a hundred games since he's been drafted by the Bruins. I've seen good things. I've seen bad things. But that's what happens with a developing player. You, you need to invest your time. Um, and I've always said that Seneshin's probably not going to make the Bruins roster this year. A solid AHL year with Providence is so beneficial to both sides, the player and the organization. So I, I wouldn't call him a bust. I, I, I can't stand when people just, you know, take the, take a small sample size and then just, you know, throw their opinion out. But it is what it is. Well, how many people didn't like Jake DeBrusque at the beginning of last year when he played in Providence? And then after, what, 20 games, he turned it on and then everyone's like, oh, I want to see him in the Bruins roster this season. Right. Uh, oh, geez, if you would have read Twitter yesterday, the uh, the Stanika line was going to make the team. Oh. <laughs> there's so there's so many people like on Twitter that believe that there's four to six jobs available on the NHL Bruins roster for these kids to make, and they believe that it's going to happen out of camp. I I I narrowed it down to one. I I believe that it's going to happen on the left side. I think yeah, that Dave, David Critch's left side yeah. is the one solid opening. And I think I think that if if Bjork, which has shown some some flashes of brilliance during this prospect challenge, and he has a solid camp starting um, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Sunday. Four days, uh, I'll be there. So I'm gonna be. I'm excited to see this. You know, if he can make the roster right out of the gate, that's awesome. But if Bjork doesn't produce in a certain amount of games, people I, are gonna be all over him. 
Right. But I also think that they should not have, the Bruins organization should not have complete faith in him like they did with Vetrano. I'm not, I don't mean to shit on Vetrano all the time, but his inconsistent, he doesn't have a two-way game. You know, he shouldn't be up in that level. I mean, I believe he could play in the NHL. I read a piece about um, Vetrano the other day. I can't remember who it was. Um, they were saying, they were saying, why don't they swap Vetrano and Debrusca around for the beginning of the season? Let uh, Vetrano go back to the AHL and let Debrusca take his spot for the beginning of the season, and the- then see how he does in the AHL. That's a huge option. That is a valid option, but. It's on. It's Petrano's last year of his current ELC, so you know, auditioning for a future contract is probably not going to happen in the AHL. So, but I, if 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 Bjork doesn't work out, then you call Debruskin. If Debrus doesn't work out, see what Solaric is up to. You know, there's plenty of other options that can be done. I I just don't want to see this team believe in a player like they did with Petrano in his inconsistent play. I love the kid. I love the story. He's a New England kid. There's nothing better than to have a, a kid grew up in here play on this team, but he's not showing the numbers that he did in the AHL. And that's it's, this This is my segue into the, the my whole dislike for the, the Kenny Agostino signing. I, I don't believe this kid is going to make the, make the roster. I really well, don't. I don't. I'm gonna I wait don't, after, after, after training camp. I, I've never seen the kid play. Like I just he's I he's he's good him. in the AHL. He's he's awesome in the AHL, but his NHL games he has pretty much disappeared. You know. Yeah, but he was he was also limited, like with very limited with time. Um, only played really in the offensive zone and then when it was brought back to the defensive zone the lines were swapped out um I'd, like i think they brought him in as an ahl scorer to make up for the fact that they're losing a lot of the veterans in the ahl due to the the amount of youth coming in um he's technically an ahl veteran now he's been there for what three years yeah um i i believe he's assigning just for the ahl for now but if his game transitions to the NHL, then fair enough. It's the the thing with Agostino is it's a very low risk, high reward situation. Could be a marshalship. Yeah, yeah. And who and wouldn't like nice. a guy to come in on a two way deal and score thirty plus goals for you? Like Any it day. might happen. It probably won't. But at the same time, the guy could probably put up Brett Connolly numbers. On a low contract, yeah, and and everyone remembers Brett Connolly now a staple of the third line at Washington. Yeah, but Brett Connolly so... couldn't even put up Brett Connolly numbers. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it it, well, I mean, it remains to be seen what what this guy can do. Um, you know, he's on a one way, so if he doesn't make it, I don't I don't see him clearing waivers and going to Providence. I think somebody's going to be in the Shark Tank uh, trying to eat him up and. And possibly be a better player on another team, or, and fit in another team. Just, just by the way the current contracts are, and the way that this this organization and ownership kind of tender to to the um, 
you know, the, the, the I need to squeeze every dollar out of a player until he's gone. Um, I don't see a lot of movement. I don't see a lot of younger players making this team, but, you know, possibly one. And I'm not favoring anybody. I'm not saying Bjork's going to be the guy. Um, yeah, I, I think that that should be a, an evolving door. If you're not playing good and you're not showing a complete 100% effort, then you're going to go down and we're going to try somebody else, and that's the way it should be. Yeah, the, on, the only way I see like Kenny Agostino playing with the Bruins next season is maybe being the guy on the third line who is just there for speed and shot. Like, you, you have that at every team. There's one guy on the third line, it's all skill and no back check. And Frank that'd Petrano? be Kenny. That'd be Kenny Agassiz. <laughs> I thought we already had. I Jack. mean, right? Vetrano does back check. That's his main problem. He, as soon as he sees a tiny little problem in the play, he starts to back check even when there's no need to. That that's my problem with Vetrano is he thinks he needs to play a 200 foot game the entire my, time, and he does. My problem with Vetrano is if he just learned how to pass the puck and not always shoot. Yeah, he has a good shot, but for some reason he shoots all the time. He's shot happy. Yeah, but if you looked at him in the AHL, that's what worked for him. So of course he's going to do it. Yeah, fair enough. If it works for you and you make your way to the NHL by something working for you, you're going to stick to it. You're not just going to go right. I made it here by doing this. I'm going to change my entire game now. Right, like I've always said, he made it. I didn't. Good for him. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know. And like I bring up many times, and when, when we talk about players like this, it's you know they're, they're fortunate to be where they are, and and we're sitting here behind a computer just talking about them. But you know, you always wish for the best. And but when you look at certain parts of everybody's game, you kind of critique on how you know a personal opinion can come out. So I mean, I like the kid. I hope he does good. Uh, I really do. And if he if he has a solid year, then absolutely you resign him. But you know, you, you got to tread lightly when when you make deals like this, and and you got you have to look at the future. There's no doubt about all these players that are coming through their entry level contracts that are going to be bottlenecked on on trying to resign. So, so many different angles. But the good thing is they, they've got time with it. Like a guy like Vetrano can still be signed to a one year contract and see how he does. And there's a lot of players that are ending the ELCs that on in line for a seven-year deal like David Pasternak is, they're probably in line for a one, two, three-year bridge deal. Right. So there is there is choice there in who to resign, who to let go, who to like, who to sign and still remain an RFA the next time they sign. It's it's hard to judge what they're going to do with a lot of the kids, but I think I trust Weenie with it. I think he does well on contract negotiations. I think he does the right thing when it comes down to it. And just like when was the last time they bought out a player who was making more than 1.5 million and they've just done it with Jimmy Hayes? Right. Yeah, I think I think he's going to do a really good job of sorting out the, the cap situation. And we're not that too close to the wall either. So. Right, and we've got well, a little bit, like about $10 million in space, a little over, maybe a little under, but... Well, yeah. let's be honest, take around 7.5 to 8 out of there, and that's what space we have. Right, yeah. right. Around 2. So, 
it's still better yeah. than it has been in the past. We've been like what a hundred thousand away from the cap wall for well, years. The, the year we signed again, like everybody was like, "Oh, look at that great contract." I'm like, "Do you people not realize the incentives were over the cap?" <laughs> yeah, and it, and it got tagged on to next year. <laughs> the five million dollars was still capable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that so kind I of. Remember, I remember the last game of the season, and I was just praying that Aginla didn't score just to keep some, <laughs> some of the cap. I was sat there going, please don't, please don't. And then, of course, he scores his 30th on the last game. I was actually in shock that uh, Julian was kind of a prick about and letting him be out there. Like, just put him on the bench. Be a dick about it. <laughs> yep, just bench him the entire game. As soon as he looked like he had a hot start to that game, just like, oh, please, someone make him take five minutes and get get rid of him. No, never happens. No, God, no. Uh, training camp uh, starts Thursday at the Warrior Ice Arena and uh, is open to the public for all four days. Um, the Saturday and Sunday sessions, uh, the Bruins will hold their local fan fest, um, which is uh, free to the public. Um, also, training camp is free to the public, too. You do have, I just want to mention that you do have to, if you park underneath the arena, you can validate your parking. Normally, uh, and it's ridiculous, but people were charged $50 uh, not knowing that their parking could be validated. So please keep your ticket. Uh, go and ask um, an employee of the arena where you can validate, and you can get it that down to t- a $10 fee. So uh, I will be there for all four days, so if anybody is, Wants, life. wants to come by and say hello um, for those uh, outside of the country and can't make it. Um, it. Yeah, that was my that was my dig. <laughs> yeah, I would. Um, hey, I'm I'm so close to Buffalo, but I got uh, I can't do it. Right. Forty five minute drive. Not so even. I'm definitely looking forward to the the challenges that are going to be uh, in place um, with the rookies and and one one intriguing thing for me and and it's probably because I'm the, a former goaltender is the um, the goaltending battle that is going to be between um, Hudobin and Subban and McIntyre. Um, yeah. I still believe uh, Hudobin's got the job, but um, it's it, it's not his. You know, in in stone. So uh, that that battle is going to be fun to watch. Uh, I want to see how Zane McIntyre takes this takes this whole thing, uh, and see if he can can bump off Udoban off the uh, off the, the the high peak. So yeah. I'm looking forward um, to it. Can can I just ask who like both of you? Who are your people to watch through uh, through training camp? Because I I, I believe that. A lot of people are only talking about the hype players like Charlie McAvoy and Anders Bjork, but who who are you guys going to be looking for? Court, go ahead. I'm really going to be uh, be honest. Uh, would be uh, Jesse Gabriel and uh, JFK. I know he's played a game, but in that one game, as we all know, he looks so passive, and I would just like to see more of him because I've really only got to see the kid in that one game against Washington, and I don't think I got to see him because. None of us did. You'd have been happy with his goal the other day because it was when people compare him to Bergeron, that was the most Bergeron goal you could ever score. Right. Really, eh? <laughs> Stick lifted a guy, took the puck off him, snapped it straight past the goalkeeper. But Gabriel, like, he's just, he's got that uh, Marchand-esque. He yeah. certainly does. Um, 
for me, uh, I have I have several players that I'm going to be definitely paying attention to. Um, this is Jesse Gabriel, like like Court said, uh, Andres Bjork, um, JFK definitely because I'm really interested in JFK because this is the first time I'll actually see him live because he did not participate in the last two development camps that the Bruins had because he was overseas. Uh, family commitment and schooling, I believe, in 2016. So uh, it's going to be good to see him. Uh, and I'm always up on Zach Shemishin. I really want to see this kid do well, um, mostly for my, my pride. As you know, I stick to players that I really like, but you know, lately I've been called out on, on my assessment and my opinions, and I absolutely love firing back, but... It is what it is, but I, no, I'm looking forward to the whole four-day event. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, like it was think, last year. I think I'm going to go totally different to everyone else and say um, Bergeron and Krejci. Mm. Because I, Krejci's just recovering from surgery. Same with Bergeron. Uh, I want to see how they play because they're the main staples of the Bruins organization and Marsham brings it every year. Um, I want to see how them two guys are doing, whether they're healthy or not. And like me and you called it last year, Mark, uh, we knew Bergeron was injured. Yeah. So yeah. And he played with a sports hernia all season, and we kept saying that it's something to do with his back because he wasn't playing the same way as he always does. Exactly. So, yeah. But, yeah. I want to see how those two guys are doing. Um, Court, you you brought up something very interesting on the off-air talk um, about tickets. Do you want to chime in on that? Yeah, so um, I uh, I'm going to be down in Boston in March, um, and it's now turned into uh, my my very close friend's uh, bachelor party. Even though he's not a Bruins fan, I appreciate him uh, <laughs> taking one for the team to do this. But uh, I bought tickets through uh, the Boston Bruins. Now, in years past, I've tried to buy tickets, and as everybody knows. These things kind of sell out quick. Um, and I was surprised to bought four the first day when they went on the pre-sale on the Thursday. And I was still able to buy tickets as of yesterday. Now, there was one interesting caveat to that. A lot of people have complained about the new system the Bruins have implemented with their tickets this year. Now, if you're buying tickets with the Bruins, you can either have them mailed to your house or you can only have them on your phone. You can't print them online. So even if you have the ticket in your Ticketmaster account, I can't physically print that ticket to bring to the game. It has to be on my phone digitally. So it's a little bit different, but what it's I think it's doing, it's deterring from scalpers. Because if you're a scalper, it's going to be really tough for you to turn around a ticket because you literally will have to send it to someone through email to their Ticketmaster account. That's the only way. Wow, that's interesting. So... It's it said that it can get it sent to my house, but when I looked at it, I'm like living in Canada, and I'm like I'm not going to have tickets sent to my house when it says that, you know, it could be sent up to 48 hours before the game. I don't want to lose out on getting tickets. Um, but I'm still I checked right before we went on the show. You can still buy tickets to the Bruins season next year. Still, just go right online and buy tickets. Nice. Which is which is kind of crazy living here in Toronto. Um, the odds of you ever buying tickets are slim to zero. Um, but the fact that I've been able to go on, I got them all in the same row, and but they all have to be on the phone. 
So like when I go to the game with my friends, I'm going to be holding my phone, scanning each individual ticket, and then being able to go through with my my tickets, which happens to be comped, but still. Nice. Yeah. It's just it's just different. It's a different it's a different strategy, and I know from reading on social media, the season ticket holders were kind of pissed off about it. But they need to understand the reason they're doing this is so real fans can go to the game. Right. Yeah. And there's not going to be a scalper outside buying phones off people <laughs> just so he can sell a ticket. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know what the rules are in the U.S., but in Canada this year, there's a new um, uh, law set in place about uh, reselling tickets that you can only sell them 50% higher. You can't go any higher than that. Wow. That's pretty yeah, cool. so for like the sub hubs of the world, they can only ask fifty percent higher if they're trying to uh, gouge the fan. So this, but I will say this: ninety nine dollars for the section three hundred five is a little bit of ridiculous. Come on, Boston. Right. Yeah, the, like, I live in Toronto, and I thought we had the worst ticket prices, but and we still do. Toronto Maple Leafs still, to my knowledge, or New York Rangers, I guess, have the worst, and then the Toronto Maple Leafs, but. 99 bucks for section 305 the nose bleeds yeah so if you do the the math for me as a canadian it cost me 144 dollars ticket yeah i wonder i wonder how because i i have my friend judy has season tickets and she uh was gracious enough to sell me some but i wonder how that's going to work this year she reaches out and says do you want tickets again she's got to email them to you and you've got to have a an account so you've got to have um, a Ticketmaster account, iPhone or yeah, Ticketmaster account. I'm guessing, yeah, um, because that's where the tickets came to me, and I bought them straight from the Bruins. Okay. Um. So yeah, you'd have to have a Ticketmaster account because you oh, can't so just it's similar. It's similar to like when you go on holiday, like with your flight boarding pass. Then yeah, exactly. You can only email it through and everything like that, and you won't see people emailing it through to each other outside the game, like back and forth. So. But it definitely works out. It's way better idea than everyone just selling off the tickets all the time. Like I understand people are a little a little miffed, and they and actually I believe the what I've been reading online is everybody's been calling the the Jacobs cheap. <laughs> but but actually, what every team does it. Um, every team's trying to do it. I know the Toronto Blue Jays here in Toronto. They haven't sold tickets in two years. Like you can't have a physical ticket. You are able to print tickets here, Blue Jay games. But it does deter from scalpers. Yeah. And that's that's all they're trying to do, people. That's what I really want the message to be. That the only reason the team is doing this is to try and get people to actually be able to buy tickets and go to the game with their family. It's still going to cost an arm and a leg, you know, $12 beers. But you're not going to have to pay 50% more than what the ticket was actually worth to go to the game. Yeah, you're doing it, you're doing it the right way when it comes down to business and, and, and you know, economics. So because yeah, the teams aren't making the Jacobs family is not making extra dough when someone sells them on Subhub. Um, before we close out the show um, for another awesome week of uh, Bruins Hockey Talk, I got to give a shout out um, to uh, Bruins Diehard's uh, co-host, uh, Nick Godin. Uh, I've been listening to him and John Williams of uh, the Williams Broadcasting uh, Corporation uh, for a, a, I think a solid year now, and they do a great job over there. But uh, Nick has uh, accepted a job for the Arizona Coyotes as an intern for the uh, Coyotes Foundation, and I just wanted to um, uh, quickly just mention uh, Nick and and uh, 
congratulations, bud. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, yeah, he's been doing really good. Uh, he's a he's a Bruins writer and a co-host of a successful podcast, and uh, you know the world's the limit for that guy. So um, I can't wait to uh, talk to him. When he's out in Arizona, I believe he leaves on Tuesday of this week. So safe travels, my friend, and best of luck. Yeah, he's already changed his Facebook profile to have the coyotes. Did you see that? Oh, it's, it hurts so bad. I'm sure. It did. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah. What what Nick did was he put um, uh, is it John Daly? No, is it no? Who's the guy that does the um, the cards for the um? Oh, I'm lost. Yeah, because I have no clue where you're going here. It, no, the um, the you know the draft order. Oh, oh. You know how they do the draft order, and the guy comes out with the cards and. Bill, Bill, Bill Daly. Bill Daly. I'm sorry, I got the names wrong. Well, he took the, the picture of Bill Daly holding an Arizona Coyotes card and put Nick's face on it. So it's pretty. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, he's a good he's a good guy, great Bruins fan, and uh, I just wish him the best of luck. So what's it? What's that? I said, it's like, what happens to their podcast? I don't know. I know John Williams is still going to do it. I think um, either one of uh, the many Golden Family uh, clan might jump in there, or they might find somebody else. I wish I could do it, but I I live so far away from Norway, Maine, but. It should be interesting to see what uh, what what transcribes uh, on that program. So, but I'm still going to be a listener no matter what because they do a great job. Um, I think that's it, my friends. Uh, Got to uh, mention one more thing is uh, we are now on iHeartRadio. Our application did get accepted. So you can find us on there. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Grandstand Sports Network, uh, Player FM, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. Um, so we are everywhere now. Pretty much all the worldwide platforms that you can figure out, we are on. So um, especially the Apple iTunes is one that's most important to us. Please go give us a rating and. Um, uh, some comments uh, it only helps our program go up the rankings um, and uh, please you know if you can't subscribe if you can't subscribe uh, and find uh, throw some at least a dollar at us we ask that you please share the program uh, to your friends and other fellow Bruins fans that would be important to us and we definitely appreciate that so with that that's it for episode 63 court Rob thank you very much uh-oh. The Martian. I just noticed the number. Yeah. This is the Brad Martian uh, number. I'm not going to say it's the episode because every time I did I that, every time I did yeah. that, something happens. So I stopped it. <laughs> what was the last one? I forgot. I mentioned something. and Didn't that guy get hurt? Or No, we did the, didn't we do the Jordan Corona edition? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. And then we lost. Like... No, we did the Jordan Coron edition, and then my internet kept dropping out every 20 seconds while we were on it. That's right. Like a true Jordan Coron edition. <laughs> yeah. So I stopped. I stopped naming the episode that the Bruins players. I'm like, this is... this is, And, and guess what happened? You didn't have a problem after that, did you? No. <laughs> not, not many. But 
Anyways. Jo- Jordan Caron curses me. <laughs> Always will do. Alright. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it and definitely be back. Uh, um, I'm hoping next week, even though I will be in Boston on Sunday, we'll have to get together and talk about when we should do the show. And I will be, as you guys, I, I will be away for the next two weeks, fans. Uh, I'm going to be in Florida. Uh, oh, well, oh, lucky, if, lucky you. <laughs> if, the, if the house is still there, I'll find out. We'll see. Are you going to the, your dad's um, um, house on the resort? Yeah, so in Bradenton, which is supposed to get hit with a pretty nasty hurricane today. So right. We'll see what happens. Best of luck to, uh, to your property down there, your father's property. I think that's it, guys. Thank you very much, everybody. And we'll see you again for episode 64. And we'll definitely talk about the events um, of training camp and um, uh, the games that are coming up for the, the first preseason, which is a week away. So take care, everyone. Any fans of the show in Florida, stay safe. Yeah, please. Florida definitely. Okay. Definitely stay safe. Um, it's a nasty storm. Uh, I know a lot of people down in Florida, so uh, definitely want to reach out to them. And, and uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers definitely with everybody down there. And that'll do it. So thank you very much and take care. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at courtlalonde, and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.